Hello, it's Caroline. I'm just here to tell you that this episode that you're about to listen to was recorded during a time when I still used Patreon. I do not use Patreon anymore, but you can find helpful resources by going to thefuckadiet.com slash more. You can also read the beginning of the Fuck a Diet book for free from my site. Lastly, this podcast is extremely messy. And it was actually intentionally messy and unstructured because that was the only way I could inspire myself to start and continue this podcast. I needed the lowest stakes possible. And though this podcast remains very low budget and has remained messy throughout the years until now, if you want slightly more structured and streamlined episodes, listen to the more recent episodes. All right, enjoy. After all this time, after all of these haphazard podcast episodes that I myself have recorded and edited myself for better or for worse I just spent a very long time not understanding why it said no input selected and I couldn't for the life of me figure it out I didn't know how to fix it and let it know that I'm using the microphone that I've always been using every single time. I just didn't know how. I pressed lots of buttons, nothing worked. Finally, I pressed this random little button that looks like a little circle. Actually, it looks like a knob. So, you know, I don't know if you know, but GarageBand has all of these little fake knobs as if it's some kind of recording equipment, which it's not. Anyway, clicked it, boom, fixed it. Took way too long considering I use this all of the time and sort of do this all of the time but also sort of not um but anyway what that means is that I am now recording and you are listening to the fuck a diet podcast and my name is Caroline Dooner and you're listening also to my new theme song titled extremely sneaky cat from the website melody loops very thankful for it and I hope you are too if you cannot tell if you can not tell this podcast is extremely casual (laughs) and i generally don't know what i'm doing don't even know how to record clearly so that's just what it is that's just how it is however today i have a conversation with your fat friend that i recorded last week that i am very excited to share with you and your fat friend is an anonymous essayist and one of the things that I wanted to do when I brought the podcast back and before I let it devolve into whatever it will devolve into which I've been saying this and it's so annoying at this point for you and for me because I don't even really know what I'm talking about because I can't see the future but I can sense it anyway what I wanted is I wanted to have some conversations with people who could really flesh out the anti-diet body positive fat acceptance world who could speak to different experiences who could you know just help basically help give you more than I can give you and so that is what I have set out to do so I have a couple conversations lined up that I think will be really nice to share with you over the next couple months and 
And that's that. So your fat friend is one of them. I also today was supposed to talk to Christy Harrison, but my internet is really shoddy and it, it goes back and forth, but it's raining today. I have someone who's coming to hopefully fix it and fix whatever the problem is tomorrow. Um, and when you're recording over the internet, essentially when you're not in the same room and you're recording over the internet, if the internet isn't good, the conversation can be really hard to hear. So I rescheduled it. But anyway, I will be bringing that to you soon. And Anti-Diet, I read an advanced copy. It's an amazing book. It's a great book to read after mine if you're looking for more corroboration, for more studies, for, you know, more basically. I mean, it's her goal is very, very, very similar to mine. Um, but she's also an anti-diet dietitian. So she works with people in a different capacity and she interviews lots of people in the book. She shares lots of research and I think it's a really great book and I, and I hope that you do read it and I think that it'll be really helpful, especially in conjunction with mine and in conjunction with lots of other books. I, I think that it really is important and helpful to read lots of different perspective I mean I I really actually don't think that her perspective is that different than mine but it is a different experience and it's just inherently a, a different perspective because she's a different person who's had had different life experiences who knows different people who has had different clients and so I think it's I think it's really great and I think that you should read it um I also feel like my book is is first of all my book does talk more about the sort of belief and emotion part of it from the my perspective of how I have worked with people to help them work through their stuff. Um, I feel like mine is also sort of really like dumbed down in a way that I purposely I purposely wrote it that way right and I also think that way and I think that that's one of the reasons that my book and also just the way that I explain this gets through to people. I think that Christie does it in a really um, straightforward way as well, in a really accessible way. Um, but she kind of elaborates a little bit more, which I think a lot of people really crave. So I really do think that it's a great next book to read if you've read mine and you're just looking for more or you're looking for a booster, you're looking for another option to give to people because it's totally possible that you could read both books. And as you go throughout your life, you could think, okay, well, I really think this friend of mine would like the fuck a diet, but I also think, I really think that my mom or um, this friend of mine would really like anti-diet. And I just think that the more options you have and the more information you have, the better. So I highly recommend it. Um, I don't even need to interview her now because <laughs> I'm just kidding. I will. I'm excited too. Um, and <sighs> what else do I want to say? What else? Okay. So last episode, I talked about my, um, my dog, my sweet angel baby. The other really annoying thing is that I had Molly watched today so I could interview Christy, but then my internet wasn't working. So I've decided to just sort of get this episode ready to go. But I talked last episode about how Molly was attacked by my aunt and uncle's new rescue dog. And I talked about how I was traumatized and I talked about how I felt like I needed professional help to work through it. But the really interesting thing is I feel totally like so much better now. 
And I went to my regular therapist this past week and I explained the whole story and I explained that I felt so traumatized. But then when I gave myself time to like really process it and really feel all of the stuff that I hadn't had time to feel because we went right into Thanksgiving dinner, I was like, but I really feel like I worked through so much of it. And and I said, and I know that there might be things that come up or I'm curious how Molly will continue to react as she meets new dogs and how I will continue to react as she meets new dogs. Uh, I said, but I, I don't feel so desperate to like, you know, I, she actually laughed when I said I need to do EMDR and she was like, well, sometimes all we need is, a is the time to process and bodies are extremely resilient and, it sounds like you gave yourself the time to process it and it did, you know, your body sort of did what it, what it does. And she also spent a lot of time saying that actually the state that I was in, and this is something that I sort of should have remembered, um, especially if I was going to talk about trauma on the last episode, but that the freezing state is actually one of the natural states that we go into and if you do give yourself the opportunity to process afterwards that that's you know like that is it's all meant to be that way essentially and yes of course people do get trauma stuck and have PTSD and I'm not saying that that doesn't happen and that it doesn't happen all the time because I do believe that it does um but Basically, she was validating, wow, that was a really scary experience. And you, it sounds like you actually worked through a lot of it, which I have. However, okay, I'm interjecting here from the future to say just like fast forward like five minutes if you don't want to hear any more about Molly <laughs> and the dog who attacked Molly. Oh my God, my phone is on. I'm terrible. Fast forward if you don't want to deal with this and eventually it'll be over. Okay. The other day, stupidly, there was a dog on this. There's a green, there's like a grassy area. It's like a little bit back from the street, but it's still in a city. And there are like, there are parking spots, but then there's a street that, you know, where the cars are driving right next to it. Um, and I let Molly off the leash to say hi to this dog because they both really seemed like they wanted to say hi to each other. And the dog started chasing Molly, which again is normal. And usually she just stays on the green and she just runs around, but she got freaked out and she bolted. And she started running into the street and there were cars driving and I scre- I screamed her name so loud. I, again, I like don't even know. I don't even know how it came out of me, but I just screamed her name and she stopped and she looked at me and she was freaked out but the dog wasn't attacking her it was just trying to play so she kind of like you know scurried back to me and I put her on the leash and I just walked away muttering like oh my god of course of course of course of course of course she's a little jumpier than usual and she almost just got hit by a car so Caroline just don't make any mistakes again okay just don't make any mistakes also my aunt called me yesterday and um she, the one who, who owns the dog, who, um, who went after Molly. And she said, I have been so upset and I've been going back and forth and back and forth, 
over whether we can keep this dog. And, and I've been so just like freaked out and, and apparently, you know, apparently he can jump the fence, even though I haven't seen it. But she said, I, I finally landed on that. I can't keep a dog who attacked another dog. And she said, and I, I called the shelter and I, I stupidly told them, (laughs) she said, I'm so stupid. I like, don't know how to lie. I told them everything. I said, he attacked another dog and I just don't think I can keep him. And they said, well, because you've told us that, which we're glad that you did, but because you told us that, that is now a part of his like report or whatever. And he's not going to be, he's, he's never going to be adopted. He's going to, he's humongous. First of all, he's going to sit in a cage you know, for the rest of his life, essentially. And nobody's going to adopt him with that report that he attacked another dog. She said, and we've also been taking him to the vet. We've been taking him to a dog trainer who specializes in, um, in aggressive dogs. And, and the dog trainer had like met the dog before they adopted him. And they said, oh, you know, she's, they all said, this is not a mean dog. That doesn't mean that he didn't snap and get really overwhelmed and and start to attack and and act out in a way that was clearly based on whatever he experienced in his first couple months, but also whatever like whatever his association was with the situation, he was trying to protect his new house and his new owners from my little fluffy Molly. But um, basically. She was like, I had to decide whether to give him back to the shelter now and he would just sit in a cage for the rest of his life or whether he's rehabilitatable. Is that a word? And she said, according to all of the people who I've been consulting and who I've been paying to help me like figure this out and to help me understand this dog, he is he is a nice dog who who has a chance to to become you know, not dangerous, basically. And I I really understand. And also the whole reason that I was like, oh, let them meet, let them meet, is because he seemed nice. He was like wagging his tail. He seemed like he wanted to play. He's eight months old. He also, because I can't remember, like he could have probably ripped her apart, you know, and he didn't. And so... Would he have been able to bite her if she hadn't had all that fluff? Maybe, and maybe it would have happened. It's just really, really hard to say. But they they said, like, it shouldn't have happened on their property because he went into protect mode. Um, it's, you know, like, he needs more time. He clearly got overwhelmed by something. Um, that And then he, like, there have been other dogs that he's come across, like, you know, on a walk and he's been like totally, totally fine. So there's something super specific about that situation. Um, she also said that she called a farm and asked the guy to take the dog and he couldn't take the dog at the time and all these things. So anyway, she just felt so badly. And I like, my whole thing is that I, I mean, I'm going to be like a little bit afraid of this dog, obviously, but, um, I do understand. And I don't think that the dog is evil. I do think that it was like a very specific situation. So that's where we are with that. Okay. I hope you fast forwarded through that. 
And now, before the headlining event, which is my conversation with your fat friend, I'm going to just share a couple things that I will make longer than they need to be. First, if you like this podcast and you want to leave a five-star review, that would be so, 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 so appreciated. Truly, truly, truly appreciated. Um, It helps. It really, it just does. It, It helps the podcast. It helps everything. It helps my book. It helps whatever. So if you like it and you want other people to experience it, go ahead and give it a five-star review. It's very, very appreciated. Also, I just, as of yesterday, slightly revamped the free mini course that I send along with the first chapter of my book over at my site, thefuckadiet.com. You can sign up to read the first chapter of the book, and I send along three free email lessons that give you a little primer for what the fuck a diet is and my take on healing your relationship with food. But so many people believe that their problem is overeating and binging and food addiction and kind of the overeating end of the scale and don't believe it's possible that their problem is restriction. And that was me too um, because they feel like, yeah, I try to go on diet sometime, but my main problem is eating too much, right? without really fully understanding how much a history of dieting and even just diet thoughts can affect the way that we eat. So I tweaked it to answer the question and help you answer the question, is my problem overeating or dieting? And though you may assume what my answer is gonna be for you, I kind of break it down in a way that makes it a little bit more clear if the fuck a diet is for you, which if you're listening to it, I'm assuming that you already, you know, believe that it is for you. But if you're not sure and you want to get my emails and you wanna be kept in the loop for future things, I don't really email that often to be perfectly honest with you, but I will update when new, fun, exciting things are happening. So. Go over to thefuckadiet.com or thefuckadiet.com slash free and jump in on those. And if you have read the book and you want to get on my list and on my sequence that I send out to people who have already read the book, uh, you can go to thefuckadiet.com slash resources and download the resource list, a little video that I did for people who read the book to answer some Q&As, and also uh, the prompts the actual prompts from the book. So if you want to get all those things, go to thefuckadiet.com slash resources. And without further ado, here is my conversation with your fat friend. Just like I'm having a moment of major triumph in that I haven't used Zencaster before. And I'm just always like mortified that something is going to go catastrophically wrong. So I'm oh like, my God, ah, I, it happened. Like, here I was we are. literally, I was just writing you an email saying, oh no, <laughs> I pressed record before you got in the call. And then I pressed stop record. And then I had to open up a whole new thing. And I was writing you an email being like, I don't know if the link's going to work. Here's a new link. And then, and then I heard your voice. So this is only the second time I've ever used Zencaster. So I'm anxious in my own way that this is going to all fall apart before my very eyes (laughs) sure but but hopefully it'll be okay well we can both just anxiety our way through this together that's how i do most things yeah that is how i do (laughs) Um, um but i'm just so excited and i'm 
I'm so thankful that you're here. Um, do you want to give a little intro about yourself to everyone who's listening? Sure. Um, so I am an essayist, mostly. Um, I write personal essays, and I don't use my name. Um, I just go by your fat friend. Um, the well, we can talk about the reason for that in a minute. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. so I mostly write about, um, you know, there's a, sort of a lot of writing out in the world about what it means to have a negative body image, about what it means to um, have an eating disorder, particularly have a be a thin person with a restrictive eating disorder. Um, there's a lot of writing out in the world about what really is or really isn't body positive, but there's not a lot out in the world about the experiences of being sort of an undeniably fat person. Um, yeah. So that's what I try to write about is sort of the um, social and cultural and sometimes political, but always emotional realities of. Yeah. I think it's just so one. I mean, it's like, I just know so many people that love your writing so much and that either feel so validated that it, that it reflects their own personal experience or it really effectively educates people in a, in a very, in a very empathetic way that people really just, I feel like learn so much and become hopefully, or be, start to hopefully become kinder people that have more of an awareness of like this dynamic and this extreme inequality that somehow like nobody's talking about enough, yeah. you know? Yeah. I mean, that's certainly my hope, right? I think there are really a lot of very good and very well-intentioned people in the world who have been conditioned to treat fat people really poorly. <laughs> and right. my hope is to just figure out how to illuminate that conditioning enough to get yeah. people to um, revisit their own practices, you know, and sort of how they engage with fat folks, right? Like the number of people who are like, I'm helping by telling you about my diet and telling you that you're doing right. it wrong. <laughs> and I'm like, right. no, that's like every person every day. And it's kind of an onslaught. And I promise fat people know more about how to diet than truly any thin person. <laughs> like, I, know. I just really promise you that. So like, the most merciful thing you could do is not tell me about it. I would be so overjoyed and refreshed anytime there's a yes. thin person who yeah. doesn't want to solve the problem of my body that I'm like, yay, we're best friends now. Oh my now. God. <laughs> Hooray. <laughs> I know. Just leave me alone. Totally. I, and it's just, it is nuts and, and it's maddening. I mean, just to even see it and I don't have to, I don't have to deal with it firsthand and I never have had to, but even to just see it, in like comments on my Instagram, it's, it's maddening even for me to see and to not be able to get through to people. So I, I can only begin to imagine um, like hour after hour of every day having to field yeah, it's, it's people a, it's thinking that they, yeah. So how does it show up? Can I ask for you in like uh, fuck it diet land. <laughs> um, how, yeah. how does that kind of stuff show up for the like diet talk and stuff around fatness? Like, well, because the fuck it diet is aligned with health at every size. And the message is 
it does not matter what size your body is, dieting is still causing harm and everybody in every body is allowed to go through this process of healing their relationship to food. And it does like, it's not just for thin people or not just for like small fats, basically. Um, people, you know, that, that is one of the big things that people will even comment or uh, in the Amazon reviews of like, this is maybe okay for thin people, but it's, you know, and then just going off on like this could, this can't be responsible. This is highly irresponsible for anyone who, whatever, you know, fill fill in the blanks. Epidemic, blah, blah, blah. Right. (laughs) Exactly. And, but, but even, even from my perspective, beginning to respond to that is 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 hard because people are so closed off and they're so sure you know and and it and it, i mean i am just like thinking about it now i have like adrenaline coursing through my body because it's it's people are so i mean it's such a polarizing thing for people and for people's brains and it's it's both people who are thinner and always happen but even people you know, who have, you know, are saying, you know, I lost a hundred pounds, um, and I've kept it off for a year and you're, you know, what you're saying is, is irresponsible. It, it, it's hard. It's hard to know how to respond to that, but it is our condition fat phobia, you know, and, and it runs so deep and it just, so it, it pops up all the time for me. It's, it's everywhere. Yeah, totally. I mean, um, like, the tricky thing about that stuff, folks who feel like they have seen the light, they have found the diet that worked for them, all that sort of stuff is like, it's so hard because it's clearly such a hard fought victory for folks, right? Spending right. all this time finding diets and then you find one and it actually works for you. And it's really hard to say, but the thing that I am currently saying, which is like, I don't know how effective it is, you know, question mark shrug right. is like, congratulations, you are part of the two to 5% of people for whom this works. Everyone else. Also, let's talk in two years. Also, let's talk in two years or five years or 10 years, whatever. Like we're talking about like, you know, data from the CDC and the National Institutes of Health. This is not like fly by night shady data, right? Right. Right. that you know, one in four diets leads to an eating disorder is also like really, really troubling. So even if you do only care about thin people, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like right. you gotta, you gotta right. get on board with that fact. Anyway, it's, it's a whole thing. I mean, I think the the closed off nature, like what you're talking about, that people just sort of like, it's like a door slamming, right. To try and talk about this stuff with some folks. It yeah. is like, so not a thing for them. So it's clear that it is threatening some kind of fundamental worldview for them. It right? is. Like is whatever it is is real deep. Um and I think there are a few aspects of it that I've like nailed down, but I I haven't gotten to the core of it yet. I don't know if you feel like you've gotten to the core of it. I mean, I feel like I feel like I circle the core the yeah, same yeah. way. Like I I I have my my talking points that that sort of get at it, but it is this like, well, it's this like existential for the people who are like doing it themselves, the, like the personal way that we do it to ourselves is like, we all just want to fit in. We want to believe that we're being responsible. We want to be approved. We want ease, right? We want to be treated well. 
And then the sort of way that, that we all sort of, it's the cultural piece is this like homogenizing thing of like everybody needs to be the same and that that's what safety yeah. is. Um, but it's deep and it's not easy to pick apart in, in, a, in an Instagram no. comment reply, you know? <laughs> no. no, like most things, it is not best handled through social media in terms of... Right, oh my God. Yeah. And the other piece, you know, and the piece that I try to address that doesn't even get to the thing that you're addressing that I think is more important and more of an overriding thing, which is the sort of social justice piece, the thing that I try to address, because this is the big fear of dieters, right? You know, small and large, is that not dieting and or gaining weight is unhealthy, right? And so I try and say, you know what, I understand why you believe that. However, these are all the things that might be helpful to understand to help support you stepping away from dieting and understanding that it's not black and white like that. Um, and, and so I do take that the health, you know, like I do tend to talk about the health myth piece, the why weight and health are not, because I also have noticed that that is people's big, or at least that's what people say their big issue is, right? Yeah, absolutely. They say, but it's not healthy, but it's not healthy, but it's unhealthy. And so if you can at least get to the piece where it's like, actually, that's not true. And this is why I feel like it can loosen people's grip yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but there's more, you know, that's not it for people because it, it goes deeper than that. It is about how people are treated. And, and so it's, it's just, yeah, my current response to that kind of stuff. So like, I, um, am like almost never writing about individual health, right? It's just not, it's right. not where I live right. and it's not, um, right. You know, that is, for me, I would say like 90% of the conversation about fat people is like, ah, your health. Right. Like, it's just like people, I know. Like, it, everyone is like Reverend Lovejoy's wife from the Simpsons. Like, won't someone please think of the children <laughs> where you're just like, it's fine. You can bring it down a couple right, notches. Right. We're good. Like, oh my God. But like the, the, again, sort of the response that I am with currently on that sort of stuff, which, you know, question mark on the effectiveness is, you know, does someone else's health normally guide how you treat them? If someone is unhealthy, do you treat right. them differently? So, right. So like, right. rather than sort of, there is this sort of constant pressure as a fat person to disclose your health, to explain your health, to feel bad about your health, to tell people about, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. it's just always, you're sort of expected to always be projecting like, I worked out really hard this morning, so it's okay that I'm eating this or blah, 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 blah. Right. Like that you're sort of constantly expected to explain things away and there's something um for me at least that feels really powerful about sort of putting it back on that person that is like no 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 you're creating a social situation here you're creating mm -hmm. and reinforcing mm -hmm. this expectation of what you think my health needs to be in a way that you would not and do not demand of thinner people um Exactly. Or people who aren't disabled or people who aren't chronically ill or people who don't have cancer or people, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like there's like right. so many things right. where I'm like, you want to take a minute to think this through, bud? Like, is this how you handle unhealthy people? Is that the guy you want to be? Exactly. Uh-oh. Even, 
Like even, even to compare it to smoking, which it's not even close to being comparable at all. But even if it was, you still don't treat smokers yeah, 100%. this way. 100%. Like yeah. you don't. You just don't. <laughs> and it's hard, right? Like you can't really, um, I just uh, sort of feel forever caught in this, like, I, uh, have always wanted, I've been doing social justice work for the last like 15 years ish. Um, uh, you know, three or four of them in this particular project. Um, but like, Mm -hmm. I have this forever struggle that is, I always want people to have a moment of recognition of the harm that they have done. And that will never happen. Do you know what I mean? With like 99% of people. Right. Right. So like, um, I uh, live in Oregon and I knocked on doors for our marriage campaign to win marriage for queer people like me and, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, got a lot of doors slammed in my face, even in Portland, even in, you know, sort of like the most lefty part of the state. And uh, now polling shows that... uh, you know, it's something like 80% of voters think that they always supported marriage. <laughs> Where you're like, no, that's oh not God. true. Cause a lot of you voted against it a couple of times. <laughs> like, I promise you that's not the yeah. case. So like people have these sort of protective mechanisms, right. That um, allow them to continue to think of themselves um, as good people. Right. Cause a good person wouldn't vote against somebody yeah. else's rights, even though they were legit uncomfortable with it at the time and had learning to do right. Like, I think there's a similarity right. here that is like people have this incredible sort of self-protective, it's like a pod or a cocoon or something, right? That is like, that's part of that door slamming, right? Yeah. Is like, I can't hear this because if I hear this, then I have to reflect on my own behavior that might have hurt or harmed someone else. Feels like part exactly. of it. Again, like and not people- the whole thing, but part of it. Exactly. It's definitely, definitely part of it. Like a little sliver of it at least, but that like that's is huge because it does affect how willing people are to even listen in the first place. Like it does scare people. It does scare people to even consider another way, especially people who are super, super, super attached to controlling the size of their body. Those who even feel like they can in the first place. Like, I actually think in some ways, you know, the people who have tried to control the size of their body and their body does a really good job of fighting back. Those people are more willing and able to be like, Oh my God, thank God there's a reason. And I can like, I can, someone can put words to what I've been experiencing my whole life. Just like, just like a slight paradigm shift in the way that we look at how weight works in the first place. Right. It's people who are so attached and successful, quote unquote, at like controlling their weight are like, no, I, I did this and I, I am special because of it. And I do not want to let that go. Yep. No. And that's just, it's like rich people. (laughs) (laughs) Let's do it. Let's get into it. Class warfare. Here we come. like I get you right like I also think like as you're talking about that sort of piece around like you know folks who've been quote-unquote successful with dieting and folks who've been quote-unquote unsuccessful right um whose body fights back and how hard (laughs) um I think there's also part of this that's like who gets to sit with the idea of being the failure in a situation right that like Mm -hmm. 
fat people walk through this world. Uh, well, I can't speak for everybody. I will say for me, um, that I, my body is before I say a word to a person, before I engage with them in any way, before they know my name or anything, what they see is my body and that body is seen as a universal sign of failure, right? That there is no way to live in a body like my body, which is like, I'm like a US size 26, uh, right? So like unquestionably fat, Mm -hmm. not only fat, but at the high end of plus sizes, right? Like, oh God, true Mm -hmm. nightmare body. Why, ah, why do I have to look at it? Why do I have to talk to it? Right. So like the conditioning is that fat people have to sit with the idea that we are failures because of our bodies. And part of what is, I think, so threatening about um, this conversation um, about sort of, you know, renouncing dieting (laughs) and about um, sort of how folks treat fat people is that it is truly seen as like earned by fat people. Right. That like your body gives me license to do all these things. And actually I'm kind of helping you by treating you like garbage or whatever. I think that's a huge, but I think that that's a huge part of it. It's a cult. It's the cultural belief. And this is what we have been taught in, in, in many words, you know, like everywhere people say this out loud you can control the size of your body. And if you are fat, it is your fault. That is what we believe, right? So like re-educating about that or just, or just offering the, that there, that that is not, that's most often not the case actually, um, is so important because people think that their prejudice is justified because they think that they're seeing a behavior, but that's just not, Yeah. And I also feel like, you know, whatever, I feel like I'm about to get into like, you know, my boomer mom reflecting on like, oh, the times we live in. But I do do feel like we are sort of living in a time where a lot of basic assumptions about how things work are getting upended, particularly for folks with privilege, right? That like, you know, if we look at like, uh, the 2016 election, right? That we sort of like had this expectation about how things were going to go and they did not go that way for anyone involved, right? Um, That for white folks seeing sort of the rise of the Black Lives Matter movement and seeing detentions at the border is really like shaking our understanding of how policing works and how the law works and how it... And and how how it's it's always always worked, worked, but we're we're just just seeing seeing it it because activists of color are making us see it right like ugh. Um, mm-hmm. but right. like there is this sort of like um it feels like sort of tectonic shifts right and we're all experiencing i mean like me too is another example right that like there was sort of this big yes. shocking moment for a lot of men and a lot of people of all genders frankly of seeing how many folks were impacted mm-hmm. by me too right like that we're sort of living in this yeah. time where so many bedrock things are shifting. And I think talking about fat stuff just becomes like, for some folks, like the straw that broke the camel's back. Do you know what I mean? Where they're like, I can't say it. Why? Right. Like, <laughs> what am I supposed right. to do? I can't even shit on fat people right. in public anymore. What? Uh, flip a right. table. Right? Like, you're just like, oh no. Right. People, it's going to be fine. We're all going to be fine. <laughs> I know. I mean, I know. Yeah, no, people, I think, I think people really, really, really struggle with 
this thing that they were able to feel superior. Like they, people have for a very long time, but like they were able to feel legitimately, and I'm putting that in air quotes, legitimately superior about body size because we have long believed that it's, it's just habits, you know? Um, So it is a big shift for people, but it is so important. And, and I think just, there are so many layers, but just re-educating about how it even fucking works in the first place, I think is so, so important and so imperative. But then of course, there's the other piece of like, even if, even if it really was food addiction, right? And again, that's in, in quotes, because that's what we, t- you know, are taught, or that's what we tend to believe. If you're fat, it's a food addiction. I, that is not true. However, even if that's what it was. Again, where the fuck is the empathy? Like you're not you're not treating the alcoholic over there yeah. the same way, right? Yeah, it's a very like so uh, love the sin or hate the sin approach that most people tend to take. And I will right. say, as a queer person, I really bristle at that approach. I gotta say, it has not taken right. me very far in this right. world. <laughs> no, you know, like no. don't don't love yeah. it, guys. Don't love it. Anyway, it oh is. My God, it's it's exhausting. It's genuinely exhausting. And I think you're right, right? That there's like wanna... this um, supremacy piece, right? That people feel like they have earned yeah. a superiority over a group of people um, who everyone agrees is like inherently inferior, right? And that's like hard to say and right. hard to hear, but really does feel like right. you know one of the cores of this is like oh, you genuinely think that if I feel okay about myself and I'm able to get jobs in the way that you're able to get jobs or I'm able to get healthcare in the way that you're able to get healthcare, that you somehow lose something really feels like um, there are a few people who would say that, but it is absolutely made clear by their actions. That feels really, really, really tricky to be like, oh, I know this about you, but you don't know this about you and I can't be the one to say it to you. Uh Uh-oh. Like... (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, I know. Well, it's totally no, it's dark. dark. It's really dark. Yeah. Yeah. It is. And that, okay. So that actually brings me to, I want to talk a little bit about the reason that you oh, yeah. are anonymous in the yeah, first yeah. place. Um, so to be totally frank, it started out cause I was in a new job that was like felt relatively high profile in my field. Um, And I was like, I don't want people to know that these are my politics around this thing. It's a real credibility buster. You know, (laughs) uh, I want to be able to like make a name for myself on my own terms, all that sort of stuff. And then as I started writing, um, I should say this whole project sort of started as a one-off that I had written a letter to a friend, asked another friend to proofread it. And he was like, you should post it somewhere so that people could share it if they wanted to share it. And then like 50,000 people read it. Wow. Totally. So I was like, well, I guess I better Whoa. keep Because um, <laughs> <laughs> I was not That's done awesome. saying things about that. Um, so right. because of that sort of immediate burst of what felt at the time, like really high profile exposure um, and now feels hmm. sort of medium. For the, for the writing that I do, right? Um, uh, right. Came a lot, a lot, a lot of um, death threats and rape threats and threats of violence and all kinds of stuff. So uh, there is, um, yeah, that's why I have remained anonymous is uh, because of yeah. just like straight up safety issues. 
Um, it's so horrifying. It's and it's also not uncommon, and that's this that's the other horrifying. Yeah, totally. Part, right? I mean, I think it's really tricky, right? Um, and it adds to the frustration, I would say, for some fat activists and me sometimes, honestly, um, to see. Um, you know, thin folks championing body positivity, which is like, great, go for it. Um, but then stopping short of supporting fat people, uh, because thin folks can and do talk about this stuff and don't might get pushback and might have uncomfortable conversations, but don't actually, Mm -hmm. you know, get told that they have blood on their hands or get people showing up at their house or, you know what I mean? Like there's just like a, Right. No, and that's me. I mean, I I can say fully that is me. I get a lot of annoying trolls, but I am very Mm -hmm. rarely threatened. Very rarely. Totally. And like, uh, you know, there are just a lot of fat fat activists and particularly fat black activists who Mm -hmm. just get kind of hair raising stuff, honestly. So it is like this, you know, it's a tricky line to walk. I feel like I want to be transparent about that stuff. And I also don't want to discourage other fat people from stepping up and stepping out about talking about the stuff. But I also don't want to like hide this thing from, you know what I mean? Like it's just a line to walk. It is a a tricky line because in one way you could think that maybe sharing that this is a reality of um, that a lot of reality of a lot of activism that it will prepare people. Right. So like when it happens to them, they're like, Oh, I've been warned. This is horrible, but at least I know I'm not the only person going through it. But then at the same time, you don't want to normalize it because it should not be normalized. Yeah, absolutely. Like that's the, and you also don't want to like encourage it. Right. Um, so every time I post about that, there's some like thread on Reddit or 4chan or 8chan or any one of those that's like, what a martyr. And I'm like, okay, I don't know. (laughs) What do you want from me? (laughs) And the truth is they just want me to go away and either die or become thin. (laughs) Those are the options for them. So I'm like, well, I don't need to listen to those guys. It's just so like, it's just, and then, and it's not, I don't know if it's worth wasting time, like even thinking about it or going there, but like, I, I can't wrap my head around that. Like, I can't understand how there could be so many, like, seemingly psychotic, (laughs) seriously, like, people, like, who are wasting their time, like, fuming and and being genuinely scary. I I just, it, maybe it shouldn't shock me. And at a certain point, now I'm like, oh, yeah, that's the way it is. But, like, it's just, I can't understand like i really can't and like regardless of folks like mental health status which is something that like we all sort of reach for or regardless of their gender or their like how much sex they have or whatever like like, there are sort of all these explanations that we reach for uh whatever the cause it's happening at like a sort of shocking scale that i think is yeah um deliberately made invisible to thin people uh right that like yeah. uh you have to go to specific places unless you are a fat person in which case it just arrives delivered to you congratulations um but you have to like kind of seek it out right, right. to find it if you're a thin person um so there yes. it's also a tricky yes. part where i'm like i want thin people to have to grapple with this 
I don't want fat people to like, you know, live with this specter every day more than they already do. I don't know, man. It's just a hard, it's a hard balance to strike, man. It's just a hard balance to strike. It is. It is. It really, really is. And I can, I just, yeah, even wrapping your head around it in the first place, but then like the actual like physical and emotional trauma of just like having to feel that at all over and over and over and over again. Yeah. And I think, I think sharing with people who don't experience that is, is I really, really do think that it's incredibly important because even for me, if people like you and people like the fat Mm. sex therapist and people who I follow um, who experienced that didn't share it, I wouldn't, I wouldn't know. And, and without knowing I, I would have less of an understanding of like the extreme situation. Absolutely. And Do you I know also what think I mean? there's a degree of like, uh, helping folks understand, like, I'm trying to figure out how to say this in a way that isn't like as, uh, the thing I want to say is like, you're kind of picking your team, right? <laughs> Which sounds more divisive than I want to, but like, mm-hmm. <laughs> but right. But like, <laughs> Do you really want to be the person who sides with death threats guy? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> are you really the person right. who wants to be like, yeah, those stalkers are right. Like, <laughs> Do you know? Like, so there's a degree of like, right. Well, I know, but then yeah. of course, People, but then the scary thing is that people do that like mental gymnastics of like, well, I don't agree with that, but I mean, you know, obesity yeah, yeah, yeah. is still a problem. You know, like people will do this like thing where they're like, I'm not like them, however, you know, and so that's yeah. exhausting in its I will own say, way, right? Uh, I have uh, long sort of had this quiet idea that if I was ever a super villain my name would be the obesity epidemic. I feel very good about that. Just like, ha ha, now you're all fat. I love it. <laughs> but like, I love it. You know, I love that it also so feels like part of this like re-education stuff that folks need to go through, right? Like there is this, like it was um, uh, widely, but mildly reported at the time that in 1999 the standards of who's considered overweight and obese changed dramatically everyone who used to be overweight became obese everyone who used to be obese became uh quote-unquote morbidly obese everyone who used to be quote-unquote morbidly obese became quote-unquote super morbidly obese right like uh Mm -hmm. and Right. Uh, in 2001, we introduced the idea of the obesity epidemic without ever talking about how those definitions and thresholds shifted, right? So like, yeah, sure, there are totally more fat people than there used to be. But when you sort of look at sort of the reporting around this stuff, no one really talks about that redefinition. You just see a wild spike in the existence of fat people in 1999. <laughs> yes. And no one's like, hey, yes. why did everybody yes. get fat this one year, right? Like, there's very little sort of like critical thinking on that front as well that feels really tricky to get at. And again, it's a thing that people won't necessarily hear from me because they're like, well, that's sort of a self-serving explanation, right? Like, um, but it does feel like a tricky thing where I'm like, I don't know, man, you can go read the New York times story on it. You can go read the CNN story on it. Like, you don't, you don't have to listen to me. Exactly. I know it for sure is a thing. (laughs) No, it was like totally, I mean, I, I, this is like a, was in my book a little bit, but Weight Watchers was literally like on the board that like lobbied for that change so they could yep. be the hero 
of the obesity epidemic. I mean, it's like, it's literally big business doing this yeah, because absolutely. it's a cash cow and it's, and it's, it's evil. And, and then somehow they've convinced themselves that they, that they aren't, that they're the, yeah, the other the company hero. that was part of that board. Oh, I can't remember who the, it's like Johnson and Johnson or somebody like that. Procter and Gamble, some, some big, 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 yeah. um, was the, uh, were sort of the initial inventors of the lap band. And that was also part of that, right? So, like, right. it was like, well, we got to be able to sell this technology, yes. so they could push, and we for can that. only reasonably yep, ask exactly. folks to provide it to people who have, you know, uh, you know, again, quote unquote, sort of like disease, yeah, a disease. or a, uh, or right. an indefensible right. weight problem, or an undeniable weight problem, right? Like, yeah, um, and the only way to do that was to get folks to lower the threshold. And it just, it really makes me feel like I'm like putting on a tinfoil hat to say all of this, right? Where I'm like, ah, makes me feel like a little bit of a conspiracy theorist. But again, like, it's like not. But it's because, but it, it sounds insane, but it's, it's real. totally real. Like, and it, that, that shit happens all yes. the time, all yep. the time that the lobbying, just so they can sell stuff that shouldn't be approved in the first place. It hap- it's, it's literally yeah, our reality. And I also think like, so that's a thing I would say in the realm of sort of the fuck it diet land, right. Is like a, a, mm-hmm. another way of thinking about this for folks is just like, Who's profiting? When you hate your body, someone stands mm-hmm. to make money. And actually a lot of people stand to make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Who are those people? Do you want to yep. give those people your money? <laughs> what for? What are they going to do with it? And exactly. And then the other thing, you know, that I see some people writing about, and I always love when people word it this way, but it's like these companies, they know exactly what happens when you're on a diet. They know, they know that 95 to 98% fail. They know they, 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 they see it firsthand. Like they're, they're not clueless and just understanding that it's deliberate and that it is, you know, and and again, I don't think that the small fitness blogger knows that in 10 years, they're going to admit to themselves that they have an eating disorder. But I, I, I really do believe that a lot of people think that they're doing good work, but the big companies, they know. I feel like the best, most recent, at least example of this is when Weight Watchers released Kerbo, which is their app for kids. So diet app for children as young as eight. Uh, If you know an eight-year-old my nephew just turned eight uh and you're listening to this please Mm. think about the face of that (laughs) eight-year-old like right like think about that kid being on a diet and learning at age eight when again my nephew is too busy memorizing every pokemon card oh my god i don't know how to get him to stop talking about pokemon but that's okay (laughs) um right like so they released this diet app for kids as young as eight the national eating disorders association um, wrote them an open letter and a bunch of dietitians did too saying uh, yeah. Yeah. you know here are the rates of it's one in four uh, diets and an eating disorder that's for adults for teens I believe it's one in 18 or excuse me not one in 18 it's like one in two or something like it's something wild sorry let's cut that I don't know my number yeah. <laughs> no, I should know myself. No, it's what it's, I like, will. I will. Like, so for kids, it's so much higher. Um, the rates of eating disorders are so much higher for kids and especially for teens. 
Weight Watchers released a response statement that was like, of course we take eating disorders seriously, and we also take the obesity epidemic seriously, and completely right. sidestepped the entire critique yep. of, you know, however many millions of people in this country have eating disorders, Weight Watchers is actively ushering more people into it. They read that letter. They responded with, not really that big a deal, guys. Not a problem. I know. And but... And that is the thing that is, it's, it's hard to articulate actually, but I try. (laughs) And the, the people say that all of the time without understanding how connected this quote unquote obesity epidemic is with the eating disorders and how, why we have so many eating disorders is because we're so obsessed with the obesity epidemic and that they go hand in hand and also not understanding and not caring that a lot of people in larger bodies have anorexia and restrictive eating disorders, but nobody gives a shit. And that is such a frustrating thing to know and have a, it's hard to, it's hard to explain to someone because again, it's, it's, it's the opposite of what so many people think. And so it just doesn't get through to people. And so people will look at that exchange between the dietitians and Weight Watchers and be like, oh, okay. All right. Without understanding how connected it is. And yeah, it's just, it's, it is really gross. gross. It is really gross. I mean, like, so like to put a, a finer point on what you're saying, because that's like just exactly right. There was a survey of um, nursing students and nurses, registered nurses in the U.S. This is from the oh, Clinical Journal of Nursing, I think. I'll double check. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I believe it was a majority. So over 50% of registered nurses believe that uh, fat patients, so people my size and larger, um, should, uh, upon hospitalization for any condition, should be forced on uh, onto a very low calorie diet, which is technically defined as uh, 500 calories or less a day. Right? Oh so like, my God. again, like when we talk about like, you know, Thin folks eating disorders are um, cause for concern and fat folks eating disorders are cause for celebration, (laughs) right? Like that's what we're talking about. (laughs) That's what we're talking about. Literally. Like like exactly that. (laughs) Exactly that. Yeah, no, that's, it's just, and again, it's the kind of thing where it's like, oh my God, like just, it feels like such a mountain (laughs) to like, to climb, to like even begin to, to get through to people and to, to change this view of even in the first place, like how weight works in the first place and how weight and health works. And then, yeah, no, it's, it's just, yeah, I, I'm clearly like not able to speak, but it's because <laughs> well, so my brain. Here's one thing that um, as we were talking about Weight Watchers, I was like, Oh man, this is on my mind and I'm uh, writing about it later today. So hello, mm-hmm. getting the scoop, okay. I guess um, is yes. uh, Oprah. Oh, Oprah, who I love and who is so deeply conflicted <laughs> about size stuff where I'm I like, know, Oh, I know. Oh, I, I know. just want to get you some clarity. <laughs> I just want to make you feel less conflicted <laughs> with yourself all this, the time. 
This also blows my mind. Like it really does. It does. There was a great I mean, it shouldn't, but it does. Vox, like three or four years ago, um, that someone had written, uh, and I have never forgotten it. Which was like their sort of moment of realizing that diets don't work was realizing about how Oprah's weight has fluctuated, and they were like, if this person right. with the most money and yeah. all the staff yeah. and all the time and you know, like every resource, every constraint, everything at her disposal can't do this. Maybe it can't be done, <laughs> which I just, it was such a powerful yeah. way of framing that, that I was like, oh, that's right. You're right. Yeah. That's a good way of coming at it. It's a great way. Of, it's a great, it's one totally. important perspective. So, to regardless have, you of all know? that, Oprah just announced a tour um, with Weight Watchers in which she yeah, totally. It's it's that. real cringy. Um, <laughs> so she announced confused. this 2020 Vision <laughs> Tour is the name of it with Weight Watchers, which now just goes by WW, which they're also saying stands for Wellness <sighs> Wins, I guess. Yeah, or they. I actually was trying to like write about uh-huh. the rebrand in my book and it was while I was editing it, like in the, in the manuscript and it was like the different versions of it. And every time I checked to see what the <laughs> rebrand was, it had changed. And so I literally, I'm not even kidding. I like, I had to change it like three times in my book. And finally, during the last moment, I was like, can we just say that they're trying to rebrand? Yeah. Because yeah, I don't know right. what it's going to be. Cause they kept changing it to like wellness works or like whatever. And it no, was just, no, yeah, sorry, totally. continue that. They well, don't, they don't the know. They don't know like, what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing, right? Like their yeah. business has been on the decline for a long time. Um, anyway, uh, so she announced this 2020 vision tour. She at each stop has a celebrity guest. Uh, and those celebrity guests are people like uh, Lady Gaga, The Rock, Julianne Huff, right. Jennifer Lopez, <laughs> Tina Fey. <laughs> like it's, Michelle, Michelle Obama, Obama, Tracy Ellis Ross. That's when my heart broke. I was like, no, I love you so much. Please don't. Mm-hmm. And yet um, here we are. Uh, and the thing that is fully blowing my mind is that it feels like a very, like the emperor's new clothes kind of moment where I'm like, not one of these people has in their time in the public eye, to my knowledge, ever worn plus sizes. So you are running an entire tour for a weight loss company using people who have never been fat and who I'm sure have lost some amount of weight at some point in their lives. Lost totally. like 12 pan- yeah, pounds on absolutely. Weight Watchers or something. And maybe on Weight Watchers, maybe not. You know, like who knows? Um, <clears throat> uh, right. But it is like, it feels like to me, like such an indicator not necessarily of like what Weight Watchers is doing, although yes, what Weight Weight Watchers what Weight Watchers is doing, um, but uh, but just such an indicator of what our culture around dieting and weight loss looks like, right? Which is like every thin person yeah. is a success story, and every fat person is a failure, right. and it doesn't matter what your trajectory of your body has been. It doesn't matter you know, sort of what your health history is or what your ability level is or what your income is or what any of that sort of stuff that 
definitely influences your size and your health um, might be. It just matters that you're thin. And it just matters that you are a version of the beauty standard. That's all that matters. Right. So like it does feel truly mind boggling to me to have people who are um, not famous for being. What are they going to do? Like I I don't even like I looked at that and I, I it was like I looked at their uh, whatever the tours Instagram page was and I was just like I don't I don't I, what are they going to talk about like what is going to happen I'm so yeah, there's confused. a part of it that's like you're going to walk understand. away with your 2020 personal <laughs> action plan and I was like what is in a personal is that like what job like I want a promotion by the end of the year. Or is that like weight loss? Or is that like. It's like such vague inspirational bullshit. Like it's so strange to me. Why would I ever want to go to that? Even if I was dieting, I don't understand. It's it's truly wild. And it's also like, if you look at the venues, it's like, you know, the Staples Center and like, you know, like huge arenas, right? Like the Kingdome or whatever like huge huge places oh and it's God. oprah and it's michelle obama and it's lady gaga so it's exactly absolutely exactly gonna pack the place exactly like, listen ma'am i'd pay money to I go know. Like, stare at the rock for a while sure why not to hear him talk about like yeah, how he conquers his year to hear him talk about what whatever like, he did something that was like here's what i eat every day a few years ago it was like two whole cod a day oh <laughs> where i was like whoa dude Oh my god! Bones and all, (laughs) eyeballs, fins, bones, the whole thing. That's how you gotta lose weight. Eat a whole thing. (laughs) Anyway, it's it just feels like this moment of like, this is you know, you parting the curtain and seeing the Wizard of Oz for the first time and being like, oh, that guy. Okay, that's how we're doing this. Yeah, it's a symbol it's a symbol of how we think uh, what we think of as wellness, whatever the fuck that means, literally whatever the fuck that means. And that is what (laughs) Weight Watchers also doesn't know. So that's the other thing that is like really uh, chapping my hide at the moment is uh, this, like there is this belief that is sort of happening, right? Like, so public opinion of dieting is way down compared to where it has been historically. Mm -hmm. Um, And, uh, diet companies are seeing that that no longer sells in the way that it used to because people have been sold mm-hmm. decades and decades of quick fixes and miracle, you know, drugs and diet pills and all kinds of things. And they're like, oh, so for 40 years, this hasn't been working. Maybe it won't work this time, right? So the rebrand is now wellness. Right. And I just truly want to be like, uh, one of the like Scooby gang on Scooby-Doo and like rip off the mask and be like, it's old man so-and-so. <laughs> like, it's old man so culture. Don't be fooled. Right? Like, oh, it's, it's exactly the same thing. Yeah. It's just- no, it's exactly the same thing, only it's even sneakier now because how can you argue with a healthy, yeah. healthy Absolutely. lifestyle? You know, how can I argue well, with wellness? Meditation, you know, yoga, other things. Right. Great. Right. But also, right. eating fat people. Also, continuing to 
Exactly. Like thinness is thinness is actually, even if you don't even, if you're not even admitting to yourself that it is, thinness is still Absolutely. what you think Absolutely. your goal is, you know? Yeah. It's a whole tricky thing. Well, <sighs> um, as oh a complete God. and total side note, if I may say, I uh, ordered and proudly wore, uh, and if you start talking about your diet, I will scream, sure. 100%. No way! You're kidding! <laughs> no and it way! Was a real dream. It really hit the people who it needed to hit. It helped so much. Oh. I was like, I don't even have to say a word. I'm just gonna walk around wearing this shirt. It's gonna be great. It really that is so exciting to like me. a charm. It's one of my favorites, and. Oh. I'm not usually a t-shirt oh person, but truly every time I wear that t-shirt out somewhere, at least three people are like, I really like your shirt. I'm like, yeah, of course you do. It's good. Okay. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. Oh my so, God. Total side note. It makes me so happy. I'm so it's happy about truly that. The greatest. Yeah. Oh my God. That is, I'm going to, I'm going to like, if I had like a, <laughs> like a resume, which I don't. Sure. Sure. I would like put that on there. Um, so exciting. Oh my God. I can't even believe I have like a Sorry. lot of questions that I didn't even get to ask you, yeah, but absolutely. we're just going to have to talk another time. Oh no, this is better than I could have ever. Um, like for instance, <laughs> do you have a history of dieting? We don't even have to sure. get into it right now. I mean, we'll short talk about answer, it another time. I'm a fat person. So um, yes, <laughs> we can talk more in depth another time. Right. Absolutely. Right. I would be delighted. This is so fun. Yeah. And so like, uh, I don't know, energizing. I feel so like ready to roll after this conversation. Um, yeah, I'm what a joy. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. This has been great. Um, can you tell everyone yes, where they can so, find um, you? My, uh, every single essay that I have written for the internet is at my website, which is uh, yourfatfriend.com, Y-O-U-R-F-A-T-F-R-I-E-N-D.com. Uh, uh, and I am on every social media anything as your fat friend this time why are fat friend um uh on twitter and facebook and instagram and everywhere um and i'd be just delighted to meet more people come on down guys <laughs> i love following you i love reading all of your stuff and i will also i'll include links in the show notes of this episode so it's even easier for people to find and I'm just so thankful that you spent uh, 52 it's minutes so with fun. me this Thanks afternoon. Thanks for making it happen. Thanks for getting the dog sitter. <laughs> you win the whole thing. I was like, well, this <laughs> yeah. is for real. She's very, she's very <laughs> disgusting. Um, yeah, and truly any old time. This was so fun and exciting and energizing. And you're a joy. Yay. And let's do it again. So there you have it, everyone. I also just want to, um, you know acknowledge the fact that on Instagram I've been absolutely losing my mind um, over how horrible and wonderful Vanderpump Rules is. Many people have been telling me to listen to it and I finally am. Um, so instead of ending with Sneaky Cat, I'm going to end with good old-fashioned Vanderpump Rules theme song. If you don't listen, God bless you. It's a horrible show. I don't recommend it, though I do recommend it if you're into horrible shows, um, like horrible reality TV shows that are actually secretly wonderful. And the art's in the editing, man. The art's in the editing. 
All right. I'll see you next time with my conversation with Christy Harrison. I can't wait. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Yeah.